and it will be housed within us. What a thought that God would choose things that should be consumed to give his presence to and yet not utterly ruin us. Man. And so, a few weeks ago, when, I don't remember if it was you, Randy, or if it was Clayton, preaching, there's this, there's these words that I started to write down. Um, It might have been Clayton whenever he was in Second Peter. But it was talking about rhythms of remembrance um, and how often we're prone to forget. And then we move into 1 Corinthians and we start talking about wisdom and we talk about weakness and we talk about building and we talk about purity and we talk about our lives as, as his church and as his bride. But we also like start to look at our own lives. We start to ask ourselves questions. I think Randy's done an awesome job and the Lord has just used him in such good ways in my heart over the last few, like couple months specifically to start asking me questions. But the words that started to come a couple weeks ago were the following. You can write them down. You can just listen, whatever. It's peeled back. It's melting. Made new. Coming quickly. Rhythmic remembrance. Slow but patient. Waiting. Fulfilled. My prayer for us today and always is to be united in one mind and in one judgment. It's to see that when we begin to ask God to peel back the parts of our heart that don't align with him, that when we ask the Lord for his presence to come and his fire to begin to purify that there's going to be a melting, there's going to be a molding, there's going to be a refining that we have to go through. And it might look like we are being brought lower than the foundation, depending on where we are in our lives. And so through some of these questions... of what is real wisdom that Randy's going to really preach on even next week or Paul's way of making disciples by the demonstration of the spirit and power. And what does that look like in our lives? And we were moving from this idea of worldly wisdom and knowledge of how we should do life and how we should build the church of God to actually recognizing that some of the things that maybe we've been doing might need checked 
And it's a constant remembrance of the Lord's goodness that propels us forward. And so we look, I want to look at a few different, a few different things. We talked about, again, this, this purifying process and what happens when we start to ask these questions of God. God, what in my heart, what in my life doesn't line up with you? What is not in alignment? What isn't attuned to your spirit in the way that it could be or the way that you would like it to be? Lord, help me not hold on to what I think but be able to receive what you want to give or what work you want to do. What is it that you are inviting me into, God? Um, so you guys can turn, actually, to the book of Isaiah, the word that we're going to read from. And I'm going to read another, another little excerpt here. Oh God, let your presence fill our hearts. Just, just Isaiah. I'll, we'll, we'll st- we're going to be throughout Isaiah in a couple spots. Oh God, let your presence fill our heart. I will be satisfied only by you. Let your holiness fill my soul. I will be satisfied only by you. Let your glory fill this place. I will be satisfied only by you. Your presence is all we need to be filled. Your presence is abundant. Your presence is overflowing. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, the holiness of your temple. As we are brought near to you, dwelling in your presence, in your courts, filling with praise, blessed. Shrouded in glorious light, things too wonderful to me, a place that may look of initial wasteland, a place where death is the mobile or mobile that puts me to slumber. Little do I know this valley of death where all hope seemed lost is a door of hope. I am entering into death with you. We will go there together. The invitation of my hand is extended through your veil. Calming to let you in and let you see. And the life that the Lord calls us into is often one of finding an end in ourself. Repetitively. That's, that's the nature of walking with Jesus. Is a continual choice to choose Him and not me. And it goes with worldly wisdom that says, no, me choosing my death is the death of me. But Jesus says, I extend my hand through your veil to help you through and allow you to see that it's actually life and it's actually my presence. So in Isaiah, we're going to be in 31, 46, and 64. And as we continue in our lives together, and we are going through the book of 1 Corinthians, and the Lord wants to do this work in us to bring us to places of recognized humility, recognized weakness, and recognized fear 
before him together. It's okay that we start to see some of these things that need to be purified, that need to be burnt off. But sometimes it can be disheartening when we see these things in our hearts, when we see these things in our minds, when we see these things in our lives in the way that sometimes what we say we believe in our actions don't line up. It can be so discouraging that we don't think we can do it or we don't think we can make it or we don't know what to do next and we can feel stuck and we can feel the tension in our bodies and in our minds and sometimes in our relationships. But that's why being of one judgment and one mind are so important because this purification process is not easy, but it is needed always. And so we look, we look, God, what do I do? What do I need to do? The people in Isaiah 64 are crying out, Oh, that you would rend the heavens, 64.1. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at your presence. As when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil. And so we see that they actually, the presence of God shows itself in physical ways, the burning of brush and the boiling of water. And so they're asking God to show his presence to them, to make your name known to your adversaries and that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome things that we did not look for, you came down, the mountains quaked at your presence. And in verse four, from of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No one has seen a God besides you who acts for those who wait for him. Don't miss that last part. No eye has seen a God beside you who acts or works for those who wait for him. God doesn't work for us as a way that we are an employer and he is our employee, that he needs a job. That's, that's an incorrect view of the way that God works for us. Um, so we'll say that first. But from the beginning, right, a lot of what we're talking about is it's this holistic story of redemption that, take, that begins in creation and ends in New Jerusalem. And so we look at the beginning that Adam and Eve were created for a purpose to work the land, to take dominion and experience sweet communion with God forever. Sin comes in. God says you will toil in your work. Babylon develops, and there's a lot of gods in Babylon that don't labor with the people. They labor for the people, or they labor, they don't labor, excuse me. The people labor for the God as slaves, they are oppressed. They are not free in their labor for their God. And yet the God of the Bible, the God of creation, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, our God that we say that we worship, wants to work for us. 
and with us. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So first we need to see that it's God who's working. It's God who brings these things to the surface. It's God who brings his fire and it's God who chooses what to consume and what not to consume. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, not their Jewish names, but their Babylonian names, were thrown into the fire, an all-consuming fire that burned up multiple men as these men threw them into the fire. And yet the fire wasn't consuming the men that were in the fire. God's fire chooses what it consumes and what it doesn't. And so the burning off is painful, but what is left is pure. What is left is refined. What is left is good. What is left is holy. What is left is set apart for the work that God has. And so when we ask God, show me, show me these things, we can rest assured that they're, they're going to come up. They're going to happen. We're going to come face to face with parts of our hearts that we don't like. And it's, and it's going to be really, it can be really disheartening. But we're starting to see that we worship a God who doesn't expect us to do all of the work in our own lives. He is the one who wants to work for us and with us and not make us try and just change all the time and do more and try harder. Yes, there is a striving, there is a co-laboring, and there is an effort that we give. But ultimately, it is God who brings the growth in the lives of everyone, including us. And so we look that no one has ever seen a God besides you. He is distinct He is unique and he is different. And we see that in Isaiah 46, verse 1. So Bel and Nebo are both Babylonian gods. And listen to what Isaiah says. Bel bows down. Nebo stoops. Their idols are on beasts and livestock. These things you carry are born as burdens on weary beasts. They stoop, they bow down together. They cannot save the burden, but themselves go into captivity. Listen to me, O house of Jacob, all remnant of the house of Israel, who have been born by me from before your birth, carried from the womb. Even to your old age, I am he, and to gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made, and I will bear, I will carry, and will save. Man, what a, what a contrast. What a contrast to these, these other gods that these, these people are starting to, to follow, starting to try and worship. They have to be carried. It's like this, this journal of mine, if I put it on the ground, it will remain there until somebody picks it up. I have to be the one to carry this. 
Our God is not like that. Our God sees us, the journal, on the ground and comes and sees where we are and ushers us into something better. As he picks us up, as he carries us, as he moves us towards where he wants us to be, as he burns the fire, as he consumes, and as he joyously sends himself to die for us, to allow us to experience death, but life. It's that paradoxical nature that we see so many times throughout Scripture. So then he asks the people in verse 5, To whom will you liken me and make me equal and compare me that we might be alike? Those who lavish gold from the purse and weigh out silver in the scales hire a goldsmith and he makes it into a god. Then they fall down and worship. They lift it to their shoulders. They carry it. They set it in its place and it stands there. It cannot move from its place. If one cries to it, it does not answer or save him from his trouble. If we believe that it was the grace of God and it was the power of the Holy Spirit revealing the person of Jesus Christ, revealing who God is to us, that brought us into our salvation in the first place, but then we begin to think that it's our job to provide our sanctification, we start to act the same way that Israel was acting here with these, these gods made out of hands. I'm not sure. If somebody knows, there's a verse in the New Testament that says kind of that very thing about, oh, you like grace is what brought you in. Now you think works is going to like, get you further? Galatians? Galatians what? Do you know? No? That's okay. Yeah, if anybody finds it, let me know. Um, but yes, that's, that's, the, that's the crux of it. If we believe that our, if our foundation is Jesus, then it cannot be moved, it cannot be shaken. In the uh, beginning of Isaiah, the, Isaiah is, is like transported in a vision to the temple of God, and it's the voice of God that shakes the foundation of the temple. And it's only the voice of God that can shake the foundation that we are built upon. If that foundation is Jesus, it cannot be shaken. But the things on top of it can be. The things on top of it can be. Galatians 3.3. 3. Galatians 3, 3. All right, I'm going to start in verse 2, Galatians 3, 2. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? And that's the same thing that's going on in Isaiah to the Galatians. They're saying that God is our God, but their, their lives aren't matching up with that. And so Isaiah comes with the voice of the Lord and says, hey, 
Like, I'm the one that needs to carry you. This perfection that we are moving towards, it's promised that it'll happen. So the question that I hear God asking me is, do you trust me? I think that question is one that we might not want to begin to ask ourselves because it might start to expose other areas of our hearts that maybe we haven't been or we might not want to explore. Someone shared a verse with me. It was, oh, it was Krista. Krista shared a verse with me a couple weeks ago in 2 Timothy 1. Starting in verse... Eleven, nope, twelve. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. He is able to guard what has been entrusted to me. Do I believe, does Jimmy Higginson believe that if God entrusts me with a gift, or God entrusts me with a relationship with a person, or if God entrusts me with my own faith, is it only, only and wholly up to me to do it? Or do I believe that what God says, like he's able to uphold? Do I believe that? And I think, I think it can be faux pas in church to say, man, I don't know if I believe that. I don't know if every moment of my life I believe the truth that God says to me. But until we examine our lives by the Holy Spirit, which Randy is actually in the the next part of chapter 2, it's going to go wisdom, and it's going to go how the Spirit searches us. And it's going to know us. The Spirit of God knows us. When David cries out in Psalm 51, in Psalm, uh, one of the Psalms that he wrote, Know me and try me and see if there be any evil, any grievous, any terrible way within me. Know my heart. Purify me with hyssop. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Like there is, there's, man, there's there's things that that start to come up. Like, okay, you want me to do this? We're going to do this then. Like, are you ready? The Lord continues to invite us into those things. But... But do I trust that the Lord will, will do it? Do I think that I have to? And I'm going to stand before you, having journaled about this weeks, months ago. That it's just kind of been this thing that the Lord and I have been walking through. That there are moments where, yes, like I am fully convinced that, that God is able to uphold what he's entrusted to me. But then there's moments where I start to, I start to have these thought, this false narrative that says, no, you've been here before. Like you need to take control of this so that way it ends the way you think you want it to or the way that you think that it should or it for your own gain and for your benefit because that's, that's, really, like, that's really what's needed. No, that's false. That's, that's a lie that starts to creep in. Because we continue to walk in a co-laboring nature with the Lord, but also knowing that 
It's like him carrying us. That's what he said. To your old age, to your gray hair, I will carry you. Or from Isaiah 31, will we turn to other things? Do we turn to other people first? Do we turn to a guru that we listen to? Or do we turn to um, ways to satiate and quiet these things that are coming up? Do we, what do we turn to? What is our source as we are exposed and then walk through these things? Isaiah 31.1, Woe to you! Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses who trust in chariots because they are many and in horsemen because they are very strong. But do not look to the Holy One of Israel or consult the Lord. Hmm. Woe to to us if, if we rely on horses or chariots because they're many or horsemen because they're strong and we don't look to the Holy One of Israel or consult the Lord. Our lives of faith are always growing. They're always growing. But the same way that the Lord demonstrates Himself through nature and leads us to Him through nature, He continues to show us our lives with Him, even through the things that He's created. The Lord is speaking a lot to me right now with plants. Months ago, I started to work through this process of transition and the Lord used blooming as an example. A bloom is is beautiful, right? It's usually colorful, it's robust, it's vibrant, and we want that all the time. In certain parts of the world, like you you start to just kind of get that, right? But in Knoxville, there's there's seasons. It's cyclical. It ebbs and flows in and out of leaves on the trees and not. Just because a flower blooms and then it begins to fade doesn't mean that it didn't serve its purpose. But what it means is that it's time to allow that petal to be pulled off in order for the energy of the Lord, in order for the energy of the Holy Spirit that we are putting into other things in our lives to grow us, to grow us maybe differently. So for us specifically, in context to 1 Corinthians and what we're going through, where in my life do I exhibit the worldly wisdom of God? Where in my time with the Lord do I attempt, or in my life, do I attempt to strong arm my own sanctification, pull up my bootstraps, and just try and make it happen? Where in my life do I not rest in the finished work of Jesus to bring about the promises of God in my life specifically or in the church? So, those are the questions that I've been asking myself. And the Lord is leading leading me to Himself as my hope. 
the weaker and weaker that I might physically feel or emotionally feel at times or mentally feel, the Lord continues to show me that it's in that weakness that I am actually able to get up and live life because of his strength that I ask for and have to rely on. When the Lord brings these things up, I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to have to go through this. You become weary. You become heavy laden. We're asking for rest. Well, if we start to search for rest in ways that are Nebo or Bell in our lives, well, we're just carrying it all. But Jesus comes in and says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Come to me, all you who are weary and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. The weariness of soul is a real thing in the life of unbelievers, in the life of people who are following Jesus for one minute or for a hundred years. Weariness of soul is, is a thing. So where are we going? What wisdom are we resting in as these things come up in our lives? A few of us went, uh, we went camping last night. I, uh, it, was, it was fun. We got to bundle up and hang out and just really enjoy one another and it was fun. Um, and as I was sitting there after most people had gone to bed and I was just looking at the fire and I was really content with the distance from the fire that I was. I felt warm enough. I wasn't, I wasn't cold. I didn't have to like shiver. I was, I was comfortable I had this I had this kind of thought and was praying praying with the Lord and it, it took me to what would happen if I got closer to the fire Yeah you start you start to feel the heat a little bit more the closer I get it, it, like you can like you feel it on your face like you feel it in your like you start to feel it in your bones well, what happens if I'm standing in it? It's the, yeah, it's, it's the most intense that it can be. And then, and then I might experience a little bit, and I'm just like, no, I'm out. Right? Well, that's good. That's safety. Right? That's physical safety for me. Like, that's a good thing. I don't want to jump in fire because I will be burned. That's the nature, the nature of the way fire works. But with our relationship with God... He invites us in. Do I trust that his fire will only burn the things that need to be burned? Or do I think he'll go too far? Do I think he knows what's best? Do I think this way? Or do I or can I trust what he says that his presence which is a consuming fire, is fullness of joy. And at his right hand are treasures, are pleasures forevermore. So with the things, that, the things that we are moving into, the Lord will peel back. The Lord will melt away. 
Um, yeah. So, does anybody have anything that is coming up, coming up uh, that we can pray for, even today? <laughs>